Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. Please take a second to subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Roxanne Dawson's new biographical drama, Breakthrough. Based on Joyce Smith's memoir, The Impossible, the miraculous story of a mother's faith and her child's resurrection, the film tells the true story of how all hope seemed lost after Smith's adopted son, John, fell into an icy Missouri lake and afterwards lay lifeless in a hospital. Even in the face of every scientific prediction and medical case history, Smith's refusal to give up and steadfast belief inspired those around her to continue to pray for John's recovery. Breakthrough is Ms. Dawson's feature film directorial debut. Her other credits include the pilot and first two episodes of Mercy Street, as well as episodes of numerous shows, including The Americans, The Shy, Runaways, The Deuce, and The Good Wife. Following a recent screening of the film at the Harmony Gold Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Dawson spoke with director Alan Arkush about filming Breakthrough. During their conversation, Ms. Dawson discusses the way she identified with the film's protagonist, how she convinced Chrissy Metz to star in the film, and how she executed the film's crucial ice sequence, which required shooting on a frozen lake and a water tank. Okay. Um, how long have we known each other? Um, a really, really long well, time. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Decades, I think. Yeah, yes. So, um, tell me what attracted you to this movie and the material. Well, it was first uh, just sent to me um, by my agent, and I read through it, and I couldn't believe it. It didn't sound like a real story, so I read through it again, and then I looked up the internet and found all the information about it, and it just kind of blew my mind, the actual story, but I also thought there was something in the script that still needed to be developed in that I didn't think the story was necessarily about the miracle, but about what it did to the family and the community. I thought that's where the movie lived. And we then spent the next while developing the film along those lines because I thought there were so many little miracles that happened along the way that that's what I really wanted to explore. So. Are you a person of uh, the Christian faith? Yes, I am. I'm Catholic. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And um, that, uh, it did, you know, inform me, of course, to, to a certain degree. Um, but I have not always been Catholic. It was a choice. It was, uh, I was brought up in an, in an atheist, a devout atheist household, and uh, spent my time going to Berkeley, exploring everything from Buddhism to all different kinds of Christianity. And finally, uh, when I met my future husband, um, looked into Catholicism and decided that's the way I wanted to go. I also wanted to bring up my children in a faith because I kind of regretted not having that knowledge and not being able then to make a choice. So um, that was something that was important to me personally. And um, so definitely there was an identification there. You know, yeah, that's spread. what I was going to ask you about, yeah. being a mom. Yeah. How much of that came into play? Well, I think also one of the things that I just um, really identified with is that I also have an adopted daughter. And uh, 
she brought home that same assignment that John brings home about the family, family history, and I remember it opening up a lot of interesting conversation for us. Um, but I think Joyce's love of John uh, was something that I just immediately hooked into. Uh, I have uh, two photographs in my, in my office. One is when my biological daughter was handed to me at, when she was born and the first time that I saw her, and then when my adopted daughter was handed to me in China, and for the first time at eight months old. And my expression is the same. And I bring that up because there really is no difference. I think our children come to us in all different ways, and that's one of the things that I found so powerful about this story, the power of a mother's love, and really what it means to be a mother, and what the power of community and faith and ultimately that power of love, what it can do. So that's kind of a gift to us in our job. Sometimes we get to express life experience. Oh, it's so, you know, so often I think that when we're handed, and since I think most everybody here is a fellow director, you're handed projects and sometimes you identify with things more than you do others, you know, and sometimes you're actually looking for things to cling on to, say, you know, I can sort of get this, and maybe this is the statement I want to make. Um, I think uh, one of the wonderful things about this script and in its development in the last stages of it and even in throughout the shooting was that I felt that I was really doing something that I believed in and also getting to know Joyce and John and the father, all the first responders, all the doctors. I spent a weekend with them in St. Louis and um, the story is as extraordinary as, as it is here and I think the power, like I said in the beginning, is not so much the fact that this boy was without a pulse for an hour before he came back to life, but it's what it is still doing to the people over there. We had a screening there in St. Louis, and uh, all the first responders were there, the doctors, and of course Joyce and, and John and Pastor Jason, and um, I, I have to say, they are still touching lives with, with the power of love and community. You know, it's just it's something that I think is... It's just really powerful, and hopefully this film can ripple out and touch people in that way. So knowing the backstory of the real people and meeting them, how did that inform the casting? Well, it, the casting began with Chrissy, and basically Fox 2000 said, if you don't get Chrissy to do this, we're not doing the film. And then they kind of threw it to me and said, go have coffee with her and tell us what happened. So it was mm -hmm. like, it was up to me to seal the deal. Um, and to be honest with you, I wasn't sure, you know, I'd seen Chrissy on This Is Us. I know, I knew at that time, Joyce as a person, I knew that it would take Chrissy um, to go really deep to be able to do this. And what I loved about her when we talked was she had a very healthy fear of the role, which told me that she was willing to explore it, you know? Um, once we had her on board, the rest of the casting came in quite interestingly in that each person that we put an offer out to wanted to call me and talk to me because they knew it was a faith-based film, which is sometimes like a dirty word in Hollywood. I don't know. It's just, you know, they wanted to make sure that it wasn't all going to be, you know, a little, mm -hmm. you know, angels floating around. And um, each single one of the actors talked to me on the phone and they wanted to know how their characters were being portrayed. And what was interesting is that each and every actor had their own personal story that brought them to this film and that they wanted to explore, each and every one of them. So when they showed up on the set, it just wasn't a job. They actually chose to do this job because of something in their personal life that they were dealing with. 
And it was kind of extraordinary as these phone calls kept happening. And I would turn to my producer and go, well, that was another one that <laughs> wants to use this film to, to, to learn about something in their own life. It was just kind of amazing. Okay, so you get on an airplane today, and uh -huh. you're going to go direct the deuce. Yes. And, and you know I can't avoid this joke. <laughs> so you're going to go from the sacred yes. to the profane. Yes. Okay. So tell yes. me about what it takes to encompass characters who, <laughs> from such different things of life. Well, they I mean, definitely are the same have, audience, yeah. Yes, and you have a fantastic <laughs> actress in, in Maggie oh, Gyllenhaal. Oh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Franco. I mean, they're yeah. extraordinary actors. Because um, you and the, I had talked about empathy and so forth. Yes, I, you know, I think that, and uh, I don't think this really is as much of a stretch as you might think, but they are actually similar on a certain way in that I think that if you really look at the deuce, I don't know how many of you know the story, but it really is about, about, um, about love, about finding your place in the world, about a struggle. All of these things, you know, there are common themes. And I think when there are themes that are important to you and you can latch into those, and that is the episode that I start shooting on Wednesday um, is about family and about returning to family and it's about loss and it is about the power of love and it's kind of ironic because I'm reading the script of the deuce and getting all emotional and going oh my gosh this is so amazing but there are so many ties into family and love in the episode that I'm doing for the deuce um that it there it really is I don't know it's almost like in the air there just seem to be a lot of things about us wanting to return home turn to our family it these troubled times and really find some kind of solace there. Um, so I think people are connecting with that on some level. Well, having seen just about everything you've directed, the, <laughs> the common thread is an empathy, you know, that you have for the characters. Um, so I'm gonna get just a little geeky here, directing geeky, okay? Okay. So the good wife, <laughs> Treme, Bosch, Scandal, The Americans, House of Cards, The Deuce, The Chai, Mercy Street, Heroes, uh, Bates Motel, Lost. Well, there's a vast team of researchers found out that you had done 54 different shows. Okay? Wow. And if you know how to, after a while, you get to know how to read someone's IMDb, okay? <laughs> now, on the great shows, you're brought back multiple times, okay? On shows that are good shows, there's only one credit. So in my mind, I'm thinking, Roxanne figured this out, figured this show out, and moved on, and you seem to always had a pretty good control of your career, okay? Is this movie the real Roxanne? I mean, is this movie, what's the difference of choices between working for such powerful you know, mm -hmm. showrunners like you have and all those different producer directors. Well, the most important show which you left out is Crossing Jordan, which is what we met on. Yeah. And Alan gave me my first chance at being a director on network television, which was a huge, it was the beginning of my career and it's because he had faith in me. And, and it he, took a year. And it took a year. And, and, and what's, what's not embarrassed the network who wouldn't hire you, NBC. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that jump out? <laughs> but it really is. I mean, Alan convinced them to have faith in me because he had faith in me and, and he stood behind his word. And 
And um, it was just, that was really the beginning for me. And he has been a mentor to me. How many times have I called you? I know, I know, pulled the car over like late at night and called you on the phone and asked you <laughs> advice because I know you, Alan has always been a part of my decision. You know what I always remember? <laughs> uh, on Jordan, the first episode we gave you was really hard. And it had, we got a lot of directors Friday night. Friday night's always the worst. And we were talking and I said, okay, Friday night at lunch. Here's what you got on your one-liner after that. So Friday night from lunch on, mm -hmm. you're more than the captain, right? Yes. And you've got to drive them and, and whip them along. And you really took it like an athlete, you know, and, and it turned out great. Well, that's when being a previous actor comes in handy. You just sort of fake it till you make it, I think, that helped. But yes, it was like I just, um, I'm so beyond grateful to you. And I just have to say, Alan was also at our first family and friend screening of this film, which is the first time we showed it to every any living human being and um, in a very small um, screening room at, over at Fox. And Alan had the most perceptive notes, which, you know, at that time it was over 30 minutes longer than it is now. And he gave, you gave such crystal clear notes that I think almost every single one of them were implemented. And it was so helpful to well, me so you. that even at this stage in the game, so it's really come full circle, I feel. You saw the very first and now you're, you've seen it. Well, what's the funny ending. is there's so many genres in this that you have done. So that's <laughs> what medical, I'm getting at. You've done all of that. And so now yeah. it's on you. So yeah. tell, tell us about that. Well, I think that, yes, this is, um, I'm, I'm proud of this film. Yes, I think this represents um, me and, and not just what I would want to say, but also I think um, the elements that we took of it where we, you know, where I elevated the style of it, the underwater sequences, the, all of that, everything that I've done on television, everything I've done in my career has been sort of leading up to me being able to handle this this story and um, I'm grateful for each and every one of those experiences which taught me something and this film taught me something and hopefully I can take that and move on but I did love I have to say I'm spoiled I, I love working in different genres um I also love being the boss too <laughs> I loved that uh, that the buck really did stop with me for better or for worse on this film and that Fox gave me they trusted in me to do what I wanted to do. I think I told you a funny story when we were talking earlier that I was going, I was running late on a day. Nobody's ever experienced that, right? And um, we were doing this film. I turned to my first AD and I said, my God, this is the first scene I'm going to cut in the editing room. And he turned to me and said, well, why are you shooting it? He said, you're the director. And suddenly it occurred to me, oh, that's right. I'm not working for somebody else. This actually is, and, but I shot it anyway because I was too nervous not to. And it was the first scene I cut. So, but it was so interesting to not have to be trying to answer, to serve a another master, but to really try to serve the best part of myself. And that was really exciting. Now, did it feel different not having a, uh, a showrunner over yes. your shoulder and, or a writer from the staff? Or yes, it felt very different. And, and I know that probably this was unusual. I know that even in features, especially the larger features and the larger budgets that you, you're, you're handed, that there are just there are a lot of, Cooks. For some reason, I had just a really uniquely wonderful experience. Um, Devon Franklin, who was my producer, who was beside me all the time, who I trust. Um, we just had a, a tacit way of communicating, and I and 
we were on the same page in terms of what we wanted to achieve. So I took his um, comments really seriously and I felt we worked so well as a team uh, to, to bring this about. So um, yeah, it was just, I think from day one till now, it's just been this amazing ride and wonderful experience for me. Because I see the, the whole thing flows really well oh. from every shot. Sometimes, and I say this to my wife, sometimes we'll, we'll turn on TCM and you know, I'll get five minutes and something and you'll, I'll say, we're in good hands here, you know? <laughs> and from the first five minutes on of this, you're uh -huh. in, you know, we're in good hands here. Well, I keep, I, I, every time I jump a screen direction, even if it's on purpose, I think you're taking a note. So, <laughs> uh, so I remember the first time in Crossing Jordan, when I went, well, it's for the action. And you were like, no, no, we're going to go back. And you either flipped the thing or you reshot something for me in Crossing Jordan. It was like, no, 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 we don't do that. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, one of the things that we talked about mm -hmm. um, is being an episodic director. It's a lot like being a studio musician. So one week you're playing with the Beach Boys, and the next week you're playing, you're doing the theme to Mission Impossible. I'm using analogies of, of Los Angeles uh, uh, musicians. Um, so you have to get a whole new band. You do. I think that that's the wonderful thing about being an episodic director is if you do several shows in a season and they're all different, I mean, you get to just jump into all these different ways of shooting and study them and get good at them and embrace them. And I think that that is the gift of being an episodic director uh, and also the obligation to, yes. to really take that seriously and to learn and study every show that you're going into so that you can understand their visual language and, and make it happen with your, own, uh, with your own twist. Yeah, you come in and you learn someone else's style mm -hmm. of, of the show and you see how that makes you feel mm -hmm. when you look at your dailies and so forth. And then that becomes something that gets put in your director's bag. Yes, definitely. Yep. And you go through that. And you, you know, some of these showrunners, you know, <laughs> Damon Lindelof, you know, and they, pretty smart people. Yes, yeah. yes. And, yes, very uh, smart. Scandal. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah. A lot of, lot of different styles. Each and every one I'm grateful for. Yeah. So what's the rest of the season like for you? Well, I do the deuce, and then um, I think I'm moving on to, um, I'm looking at a lot of scripts. I've got some I, things I don't really want to talk about yet, I okay. guess. They're like right okay. there, and you go, let's not, let's not jinx some of them. But, um, but it's, uh, it looks like it'll be a good year, and, um, but it has been a good year, you know? I just, mm -hmm. and I get to go away for a couple of weeks and, celebrate my 25th anniversary with my husband in Europe. So, I mean, that's like one of the highlights of my year, so. Okay, so every, every director will look at their work in a show or something. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite things that when you see this, you go, you're pretty happy with? Oh, wow. You didn't tell me you are gonna ask me that. Um, along with my favorite color. Which oh, <laughs> that was the last question. What's her favorite color? And, and if you had to eat one food uh, for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. Somewhere between pasta and sushi, which don't go together. But, um, you know, I was, it took a lot of work and a lot of collaboration to make the ice sequence work. It was two days on a real frozen lake, three days in tanks. And, um, and I was pleased with the way it came out. And, uh, it, and there are times where even I have to think back, was that on the real ice or wasn't it? Because we've really, we've jumped back and forth so much in the editing 
um, between the real and the fake world, you know, and uh, that took a lot of storyboarding and mm -hmm. all the departments really stepping up and doing their job. So um, that I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah, it's pretty seamless. Yes. The moment that gets me every time is uh, the boy lying in bed and the water rushing in over him. Oh, yeah. It's such a surprise. And I'll tell you, that's so funny because one of the things I think one of the, I, that I always do is when I read a script for the first time is I've, I can't read a script without a pen. I know sometimes they just say, read it and don't write thing. One of the first things that I wrote right at that point in the script was um, beds going under the water. And I didn't know yet where that would take me, mm -hmm. but I kept transferring into all the scripts and, and, and finally it just made sense. But there was something instinctual. We have so many different levels of our brain that are working and sometimes there are notes that you'll take, you know, that you don't know really where they're coming from yet, but they will make sense eventually. And that was, that was one of them. Yeah, there's um, a thing when you, a script excites you, you immediately see the pictures. Yeah. You immediately yeah. see the pictures. Yeah. And someone will say to you afterwards, uh, how did you think of that? And yeah. then you'll just look at them and go, well, it seemed pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's so true. That's so true. So yeah. what happens when you see something that you've made and you haven't seen it in five or ten years? What's your, do you have any kind of? Oh, only that I've gotten better, uh -huh. I think, hopefully. Yeah. Sometimes something will play. I'm in a hotel room or something and I'll see something play or you're in a gym and charmed will come on you go oh my gosh i did that leprechaun episode um you know and you'll think wow i've gotten so much better i think i was in a hotel room and saying elsewhere came on yeah and i was a huge fan so i'd seen every episode mm -hmm. i'm watching the episode going oh yeah i remember this episode and then the camera does this move and i go oh i directed this episode <laughs> <laughs> and they really didn't want me to do that camera move <laughs> oh my gosh yes yes Anyone have any questions? Oh, we shot it entirely in Winnipeg. So if you thought it was in four different cities, um, I guess that's good because it gave a sort of a feel. But it, it was really all shot in Winnipeg, every bit of it. Um, we had a really good visual effects team and we planned it out well. Um, uh, picked my team from up there. Uh, we, we, I brought in my DP you know, from Los Angeles, from the United States. We did interviews here. And then we did interviews up there. My first AD came from uh, from uh, uh, Vancouver, and a lot of the team came from various places in Canada. We had really a great a great team up there, and um, production designer came from from the states. Um, uh, our uh, wardrobe came from the states, but um, we had a lot of of Canadian team up there. They were they were great. They were really wonderful. Anyone else? Because John's story wasn't finished. And he needed to go through something and come out the other side. The other characters had been through something, but we hadn't seen what, how John responded. And so the rest of the story was his resolution. You know, I'm glad you asked that because you and I have talked several times mm -hmm. about the biggest challenge being all those stories. Yes. Yes. And, and getting a flow to it and getting for yeah. it to wrap up. When, when, um, when Alan saw it, we had about three endings on the film. It was, it was it, you know, it's very hard to end a film, period. But uh, this one, we, 
had a lot of different ways to go. And then Fox was unsure as to whether we should even bring up any question about, you know, why me at time some of those scenes were in and then out. And then Devon Franklin and I really fought for that because um, not only was it true and that teacher actually did approach John and that really did happen, except she wasn't quite as nice as this teacher. Um, but, um, but all of that was, was so, I think, important to, to portray this story with a sense of balance. And I think that we wanted to make sure that the other side um, was also represented, the people that still had questions, that we weren't trying to answer all the questions. The first responders um, service that you saw there actually is available on YouTube, and you can go and see all of the first responders um, standing and getting recognition. Because I think that we can say that, you know, yes, it's a miracle, but it's not a miracle without every single one of that medical team and the first responders and everybody involved. They all were very much a, a part of this, um, an intricate part of, of the reason why John is still here and is an amazing young man. Um, but anyway, it was very important that that part of the film be included. Yes, Chrissy Metz. Diane Warren wrote the song, and um, Devon Franklin sent the movie to her and said, you know, do you want to write something for this? And she saw that first responder scene with everybody standing up, and she was so inspired by this that she wrote this song, I'm Standing With You, and within hours of seeing the film, called Devon up and sang, sang the few phrases to him on the phone. And then we were going to have somebody else do it, and Devon said, just let Chrissy have a stab at it, and um, Diane was not on board with that at first until we were all in the studio and we heard her kind of go for it and went, my God, the purity of her voice. Um, you know, just went, and she also sang it on the um, ACMA, uh, on the ACM Awards as well, with, um, along with Carrie Underwood and a few of the other people that have, do have given us their music for this. Carrie Underwood was, was another person who saw the movie and was moved by it and wanted to give us her song, Love Wins, which I was, which was such a, a blessing. But I have to say, Marcelo um, Zarvos, who did our score for us, was Profound. I mean, when we when I met with him, I knew that he understood the the movie, the way he talked about the characters and the scenes and what needed to happen. And I just thought his score was just out of this world. I think one of the best days of this entire thing was me watching the scoring on the scoring Isn't that stage. Fun? Oh, oh! It comes to life like that. Oh my gosh! And there's just, nothing like just seeing your movie with the music and just the dialogue. Oh my gosh! It was such it was such a gift. And he, he, was, he was just, um, he just understood, and I thought he really did a great job with our score. It's beautifully mixed, too, because the music seems to appear, mm -hmm. you know? It just seems to all of a sudden be there, you notice it. We worked really hard on that. So, Val? Hey. Thank you, Val. Thank you. We had a few, one that I disagreed with, but I was so grateful that they spent the money to get the song and that it was okay that I said okay but it's our the first song um uptown funk they had to take out the word damn from it so there's just like this vamp you know but basically it would not be it would not get the rating that it did if that word was in there and i said everybody's gonna notice that it's not there and that we're catering to a certain crowd and stuff you know so we kind of just i gave up on that because we actually got this song that i'd wanted from the very beginning because i thought if you're going to label it faith-based to open up with uptown funk we'll hopefully 
disarm people, you know what I mean? And take us into a different kind of world so we can look at it anew. Um, but the only other thing that we did that um, I'm actually kind of grateful for is, a, and Devon was very much on top of all of this, was that we went through in post and, and removed a lot of the crosses from the background. Um, what we wanted to do is make sure that it didn't look like we were trying to um, be too preachy, you know? And um, I actually wasn't even aware of a lot of them there. Our, our production designer uh, and the dressers had put a lot into different places, and, um, but we, uh, we removed them from the pastor's home, we removed them from places in the hospital that they were naturally. But you know, I think that was okay. I just, I didn't want it, if somebody was perceiving it as, as, as being, you know, um, too much or too heavy, that's not what I wanted to do. So if people were perceiving it that way, I didn't notice it, then let's remove them. Let's, you know, let's, um, let, let's try to give it, again, some balance. So yeah, there was a, there was a little bit of, of that, but nothing that, that, that tied my hands. Well, I look forward to whatever you're developing that's really the real <laughs> Roxanne, okay? Oh. So thank you, and thank you for this great movie. Oh, thank you so much, Alan, for everything. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're enjoying our show, please take a moment to rate and review us. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow cinephiles find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.